Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, friends, we're at the last Sunday of the church calendar, the church uh, liturgical year, which draws us to today, which is Christ the King Sunday which in some traditions, kind of an older tradition in the church, uh, is, is today's Doom Sunday. Doom Sunday. And the reason we say Doom Sunday, if you, if you were paying attention at all to the Matthew uh, reading, it's the last judgment uh, is what we're being drawn to here. So the end of the year is sort of the last of things, and that's kind of what the idea is. So I asked Camel today for the offertory, if we could do a rendition of like Christian death metal for the offertory, uh, but just to kind of give that doom sense. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Of course not. Uh, but you do know that genre of music exists. Like, uh, it's a real thing. Just Google it. Christian death metal. And you'll find hundreds and hundreds of bands uh, with the perfect Scandinavian, you know, hair and uh, all black, of course. You have to wear all black. That's, that's, in fact, why I'm sporting black tonight. It's for Doom Sunday. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But seriously, look up Becoming the Archetype. They're like the archetype of that, that kind of music. Uh, other bands would be like Demon Hunter. Kind of soft and subtle, you know. Uh, Demon Hunter. Well... Judgment. What can we say about judgment? That's kind of my theme tonight. Uh, judgment is something our, our culture is kind of obsessed with. If you go to the, the bookstore, you see all these apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic, I mean, whether it be on the Christian side or not, but especially on the Christian side. I mean, what has been a bestseller now for, gosh, the last 15, 20 years? It's uh, the Left Behind series. Uh, that's just one amongst many. And usually, judgment in that sense is we've set ourselves up as the righteous ones and the unrighteous are over there. They're the ones being judged and we've sort of evaded it. But if you read this passage, uh, we're all on trial. We're all um, being sorted out. And maybe that's where this this sense of doom comes from. You know, when I was a new Christian, kind of a mid-teenager, I didn't know the Bible very well. And um, I thought Matthew was my favorite book. And maybe it is, I'm not sure. But Uh, I get asked that a lot now, but I remember thinking Matthew at that time because I was really into obedience and discipleship, and Matthew has overtones of that throughout. So Matthew in the wrong hands can actually be a dangerous weapon if it's not read properly. And So this is one of those key passages. I feel like you have to kind of understand what's going on in the bigger context. Uh, This is the third of three parables that uh, that Jesus gives about the the last days. And read at face value, if you just kind of pull it out of the context of the rest of the canon, uh, this would very much seem to suggest that we work to, to earn God's favor. That the things that we do, uh, it causes his love to be contingent on that. And that's, sure, at face value it seems that way, but in the broader context, and, and hopefully the way I unpack it tonight, you'll kind of see that that's not true. But judgment. We're, we're obsessed with judgment. Um, we judge celebrities and political candidates on TV all the time or, you know, things that are going on in the news, and we, we constantly judge. But when it comes to us, we don't want to be judged. Uh, it's the last thing. So if you're in an argument or a debate with someone, the, the card that you play is, don't judge me. That's how you win the, the debate. Like, it shuts down all conversation because it's like the, the cardinal sin. Don't judge me. You know, I am who I am. Don't judge me. So we like to judge others. It's easy to, like, look out and want to judge. But when it comes to us, it's, it's too close to home. But we're raised from a very early age, like, obsessed with judgment. Uh, I mean, I remember my first report card. That's a judgment of sorts. Uh, and just being obsessed with that. And it came out in my favor. And so that, that kind of breeds its own self-righteousness, too. But, yeah, report cards throughout high school and GPA and going to college, if you do that. And if not, you go into the job and you have performance reviews. That's another type of judgment. We don't ever evade this. 
And whether you're in school or in work or, or you don't work, there's, there's judgment just from culture, uh, both internally and externally. I mean, it's, we swim in a sea of judgment. So this passage, like I said, kind of at face value, you've got the sheep and the goats. You've got the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. I know that my right and left are not the same as yours, but I'm working from my perspective, so just bear with me. But the sheep are here, and they are the ones that seem to have done all the good. They, they fed the hungry. They clothed the naked. Uh, they visited the sick and the imprisoned. And so the ones on the left, the goats, were the ones who didn't do that. But here's the kicker. Jesus identifies with those people who are in the ditch, who are naked, who are hungry. Uh, And this is consistent with Matthew's gospel. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, blessed are those uh, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. He's flipped over what it means to be blessed and what it means to be in God's favor. So there's no surprise that Jesus has identified with the low, with the losers, with the outcasts. There's no, no, no mistake about it whatsoever. But when he says that, both the sheep and the goats are surprised. They say, Lord, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you? He says, well, I was right there. I was there the whole time. So it comes as a shock and a surprise. So unlike uh, the Christian bestsellers that put the unrighteous over there and the righteous over here, we can't sort that out on this side. We don't have... Uh, a, the right, but B, the ability to even know what's, what's right and wrong in terms of that objective, judgmental sense. Um, so the point of this is to say is it's unexpected and it's a surprise. It happens upon us. The gospel surprises us. It's not something you can predict or control. As if you got everything, all your ducks in order, and if you did all these good works, then you can guarantee uh, God's favor. That's not the point of this. The point is it's a surprise. So where do you and I stand with this surprise? You know, we hear this, and we're still constantly wondering, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Am I a sheep or am I a goat? And judgment's uncomfortable. You know, when we're left on trial, when we're being judged, whatever it's for, it's uncomfortable. Uh, I'm impatient, but it requires patience to kind of hear the verdict and to be uh, mindful of what the judge may say. You know, I think of that grand, I mean, the best scene in my mind for judgment uh, and, and kind of how it... <laughs> It accumulates, and there's this finger always accusing you, um, is the finale of Seinfeld, uh, the end of season nine. You remember those two, those two episodes. The whole nine seasons, all these people that they've wronged are, are there to accuse them and to say they should be locked up and sent away. And I think about my own life. Like Maybe it's not people literally wagging their fingers, but all the little things that bother you, all the things that keep you up at night, you say, gosh, why did I say that? Or gosh, why did I do that? Or why did I not do that? Uh, why did I not say that? Whatever it is. Judgment's uncomfortable, but Seinfeld's like the supreme example. I mean, Babu and the the marble rye lady uh, is proof enough that they should have been locked away, and I should be too. But if I were to pull out the projector and just project your life for the last week, 24-7, everything you did, just roll roll the footage, uh, you would be mortified, first of all. You would not want to see it. Uh, I I don't want to see it either, to be fair. But every time you picked your nose or made some sort of snide remark at someone or did something that you don't want recorded, it would be there. And we would all see it, and we would all judge it. My point is, even waking or sleeping, there's things that we're not proud of. And there's things, if we're being honest, we know we're not really sheep based on the way we live. Maybe, maybe you do some good. I was in the, the soup kitchen last week, or excuse me, the, the mission at the Bowery. And they had this verse on the walls, you know, whatever you did for the least of these, you've done for me. That stood as a judgment for me. Because outside of my job, I mean, how much, Ben brought this up last week, but I, I agree with it for me. Outside of being a professional minister, When's the last time I really loved somebody that was down and out in that way? It was a judgment to me. 
So if I'm being honest with myself, and I've played the footage of my life, uh, I, would, I would have to say I was a goat. I live a goat lifestyle. But the good news is, friends, is Jesus is the sheep. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And we can stand up to the great judgment seat of Christ because of the great exchange. He exchanged his sheephood, his obedience, his righteousness for our goathood. So even if you fully just bite the bullet and just say, yeah, I'm a goat, Christ has applied his sheephood to you. That's why we wear these white robes. It's sort of a, it's sort of a symbol of Christ putting his, his righteousness over us. It's not my righteousness, but it's put on me. It's imputed, as the reformer said. So you're standing in the balance, you're waiting for the trial, and the verdict comes, and maybe, maybe you are a goat, and you surely are if you're being honest with yourself, but Christ has called you a sheep by his word and by his work for you. And this week it really hit home for me. I was watching the show, you've probably seen it, and there are no plot points, there are no spoilers, so don't have to plug your ears, but Stranger Things uh, on Netflix, and there's a scene where uh, the young kid, Dusty, he's like in sixth or seventh grade, and he's got his hair perfect, you know, he's got everything right. He's got his bow tie and his perfect shirt, and he just thinks like he's going to ask the girls out at the dance and they're just going to fall for him left and right. And of course, every single one of them shut him down. Uh, and he's embarrassed and he's crying. He's sitting on by himself in the cafeteria, uh, rejected, kind of embracing his goathood, realizing like, I, I'm not a sheep. I don't have what it takes. And then Nancy, the upperclassman, the senior girl, sees him over there and has compassion for him, sees him crying. And she goes over there and she's the it girl, right? I mean, she's the girl you want to be asked out by. Not the little seventh grade girls, but like the senior girl. And she says, do you want to dance? He's like, excuse me? Do you want to dance? Absolutely. He wipes his tears. He's got this huge smile on his face. And he sort of trades places. She gives her reputation and honor to him. And she puts her reputation and honor at stake to be with this lowly seventh grader. He's kind of a wallflower. He's not the most attractive little guy. And she dances with him. And you can just see the, the tears wipe away and the smile is beaming. My point, friends, this is an illustration of Christ and what he's done for us. Is we are sitting in the corner in the cafeteria, not worthy of a dance, not worthy of, of anyone to look upon us. But Christ comes to us in our weakness and in our goathood and exchanges his reputation as the great sheep and the great shepherd for us. I've got one last thing. I posted this on Facebook a few weeks ago. It's um, this gospel song on YouTube. And I have to say, I felt a little judged by you guys, you, you who are my Facebook friends, because I only got two likes. Uh, it was very judgmental of you. But uh, I did post it at like midnight, so that's my fault. Um, you might not have been awake. But there's this powerful gospel song that also illustrates all of this about being on trial and in judgment. And the gospel song, it goes, Jesus dropped the charges. He dropped the charges. And they just keep on for seven minutes saying this. And they say, case dismissed. You're saved by grace. Go look it up. It's called Jesus Dropped the Charges by the O'Neill Twins. And I promise you, you'll cry tonight. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But Jesus has dropped the charges. And like I said before, because of his great exchange, giving you his righteousness, you can stand before the great judgment seat, confident that you, in fact, are a sheep by his word and in his work on the cross. For that, we are thankful. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.